Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Evangelist Ben Fitzgerald. Thanks so much for, for the introduction this morning. It is a bit of a different message, and I do want us to focus a little bit. So uh, I'm very thankful for, for the Lord doing this this morning, that just to honor the mothers of the, of the house, because really these people are spiritual leaders. They're not just mums that change diapers. They're the spiritual force and that's carrying the authority of God as well, and we need to recognize that. But sorry, that I just feel the presence of the Lord a bit. This, this morning's message really... Uh, it's going to do something in your heart. I know it is because it's already sort of convicting me that, that there needs to be more. And, and so I just want you to turn your affection toward the Lord for a second. God, I give you praise. I give you thanks. Thank you, Father, for all the incredible people here. But most importantly, Lord, we are thankful for your presence. You are the greatest treasure that we could ever have. And we thank you for your presence, Lord. God, we pray that you would give us the gift of never taking your presence for granted. I thank you that when two or more are gathered together in their midst, there you are with them, with us. You're here in the midst of us. There's something special, Lord, that happens when we come together for you, that you decide to actually step into the environment, not just to do miracles. Sometimes I believe, Jesus, you just come in to walk around, just to be with your people and just to instruct and teach your people. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise you, Lord. And God, again, I, I just want to say thank you for these incredible mothers of this house. I pray that you would raise them up even more and that you would really show them the great appreciation that you have. And God, all the mothers in this room, we pray that they would feel the same way. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, God. In Jesus' name. I'm going to talk to you this morning about bringing back the ark of God. The Ark of the Lord is his, his very presence. It's the place where he abides. But before I start this, I'd just love it if there's a clock, a countdown of, of the message, so I don't, I don't want to go over time. Or someone can maybe tell me, Dan, Pastor Dan can tell me uh, when, I'm, when I'm done. But uh, I have this revelation touching me recently that we need to be very, very uh, aware of the distraction in our world and what is pulling it up our, our life. You know, we, we live in such a world of busyness. It's, it's so easy for us right now to just be you know, one touch of a button, we're in a whole world of digital, a digital world. Now, mind can be very easily distracted. In fact, they have done tests that, that do say that. But what I, I believe is that the presence of the Lord, when you come into His presence, heaven's capacity and heaven's thinking and heaven's way of seeing things begins to change your natural mind, the way you think and the way you see things, and actually it calibrates you for the reason why we're alive. The reason why we're alive is not just temporary. It, it is, of course, to reach people here, but actually God is setting you up for an eternal ruling and reigning with Him. And there's people in this room who will actually oversee whole cities. You'll be given what we would call a mayor's role, where out of the billions of people that did turn to God, you have direction and oversight on behalf of Christ. That's very biblical. This place is the dressing room for eternity. You, you've got to get ready now, which means 
We have to think heavenly. Do you remember when Jesus said, he said, if I've told you earthly things, how can I tell you heavenly things? If you don't understand this one earthly principle, it's going to be difficult for you to comprehend what it means to, to see the invisible realm that's always around you called the kingdom of God. He said that my words are spirit and life, which means the kingdom of God is in everything he said. So when he speaks in the name of Jesus, or when we say it, we say it in, on his behalf, in his stead. It actually says, when it says, go in my name, it means go in my place. Jesus is replicating himself through your life. So when we say in the name of Jesus, we don't see Jesus physically appear and heal the sick. But what we see is we see him in the Holy Spirit who actually enforces the work, which means every part of the kingdom of God is to be spiritually discerned. There's no part of the kingdom of God that isn't coming from the Spirit because God is Spirit. So it's the same with Solomon. Do you remember when the, they, they came to Solomon, they saw his forks and knives, and they said, this is un incredible. The, the queen of Sheba, she dropped everything. I can't believe the shape of this fork. She was stunned at the, the, the characteristics of, and creation of a fork. It wasn't because the fork was pretty or it had a certain ornament of gold. She was stunned that some spiritual wisdom had had a natural outcome, and it made a fork. And, and she could sense there was a connection spiritually to stuff. When I first... I went to Bethel Church many, many years ago, about nine years ago now. I remember, I'll never forget it. I remember the first time I drove up to the prayer house. I was in somebody else's car, and when we drove onto the property, there's a whole bunch of flags and, you know, that, that represent different nations. And as we drove up there, there was a tangible presence of God on the way up. And we heard that even last night through a testimony that someone was driving to the Marvel Stadium in November, and as they were driving, they begin to weep. They were about to be divorced from their wife. Their life was a mess. And as they're driving into the city, the presence of God came and touched them right there and prepared their heart for what was to come. The same thing happened when I was at Bethel Church. I could sense a tangible presence of God because of all the prayer and the contending and the inviting of heavenly things into the lives of many, many individuals there. And because of that, it spreads. It just does. And so physical things are great. You know, they, they, they have matter and all that stuff. But, but anything that is devoid of the spirit really, in a way, is useless because he said flesh can't give life. It's not flesh and blood. It's spirit that gives life. So the spirit on everything we do is necessary, which means we have to be trained not by principle but just by discernment to see where the wind of God is in our, in our midst, in our life, in our daily life. And if there's anything that distracts us from that, we have to learn to kind of to push away from those things and to really make dedicated decisions toward the presence of the Lord and toward discerning the presence of God. Now, I'm not talking about I have to feel a wind touch my face, or I'm not talking about that. People have different barometers on how they sense God. But did you realize you can actually ask God for an upgrade? Some people believe, well, I don't feel God that way, and they stop at that statement. But they've never asked God, could you change me a little bit? You know, And you can. You can ask God, make me more sensitive, make me more aware to the presence of Jesus in a room so that I can discern what you're doing, God, that on your behalf, in your place, I can enforce the kingdom of God for people's freedom. But that's not my message this morning. It's kind of a segue, but really what it is, is bringing back the ark into your personal life. I feel for Fire Church this year that we're going to have a year of extreme intimacy. Now, every year is supposed to be extreme in intimacy, but I feel that God is going to deliberately touch your distracting things. He's going to put his finger on them, and he's going to say, you've got to choose now. I felt this happen to me several years ago. I was worshiping uh, in the presence of the Lord in my room. I had an extended period of time where I could just adore the Lord. And it was so wonderful because I didn't have a job at the time. It helps when you have some time. But how many of you know if you don't, if you don't have a job and you've got all this time and you can't bring yourself into a place where you're really adoring the Lord, you're not going to do it with a job. You're not going to do it when you're busy. 
If you have freedom now, I would take advantage big time of the freedom you have right now. Because when you're working the corporate world and you, you get up at six and you shower and everything and you're gone, you drive back an hour traffic there, an hour traffic back every day, which is the reality of 98% of the church's life. When you're living that way, you got kids, five kids, you know, when you're living this way, you have to learn to make space for God in a different way. And so I just highly encourage you. But I had one of these times and it was a time where I could just seek the Lord. And I did. I began to seek him in my bedroom and just worship him. That's what I learned to do. I learned from two of the best worship leaders uh, in the world, in my opinion. They, they don't have the best voices, and neither do I. But I learned from my mom and my grandma. And, uh, and they, I've heard my mom so many times, Jesus, you know, she's not, doesn't sound like Kim Walker-Smith, but she sounds like mom. But when she worships, the presence of the Lord would come. She would just say a few, a few words and God's presence would come. And I realized it's because of history that she made with the Lord. And... And when I'd see that, I was like, okay, God, I'm going to do the same in my life. I, I want to be a worship leader. Even if I'm not, I'm going to lead myself. I'm going to lead myself daily to worship you. And in this time, I thought, God, you need to change me. I really want you to touch me. And I was crying out, would you use me, God? This is before awakening. This is before any of these things were happening. Of course, every day I'm preaching on the street. Of course, I'm sharing Jesus with people. But that's out of a choice, a decision of the heart and a discipline in a way where I said, God, I, I love people and I want to love them more. And, and so, you know, I say yes to him. But this time was like, God, I need you to touch me. I need your presence. I need heaven to come and touch me. I need to feel that you're actually real. I know you are. I don't doubt it. It's better that I not see and believe, Jesus said. But I want you to be in my room. I want your presence to, to, to minister to me. And the presence of the Lord is always in you. I, I don't like it when people start to try and doctrinalize the presence of God. Well, how does that make sense, etc.? Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to find factions. Listen, you have no separation from God right now. You can take a drink right now. I would so much rather be in the kingdom of God than in the world. Because in the world, when you have stress, when you have a lack of peace, you can't go anywhere. You're stuck in you. But when you feel things conflicting in life against you, you have an eternal well you can turn to like that and it's there. Everywhere you go, in the car, everywhere you are, the Spirit of God can minister to you immediately. It's incredible. To be a Christian is just amazing. We saw five people in the first service give their lives to the Lord. One man for the first time came to church. I watched him get born again down here. It was so, so powerful. And I preached the same message. I didn't preach an evangelistic message. I said the presence of God is real. And there's a, there's a natural attraction inside a person because they're looking and they're longing for something that connects me to my creator. And they're looking for something that can dispel this, this great lack of peace that only comes from being connected to the Lord. And when religion or even Christianity becomes a construct that's separate from the presence of God, it does exactly the same thing. It leaves you peaceless. It leaves you needing to go on a holiday. I need to find a beach. I need to go to a beach to have rest. Or I need to go to somewhere. I love holidays. I, I love all that stuff. I, I regularly want to go on the holiday. But I can tell you right now, you have a beach inside you. You have a place where you can drink from daily, where you can bring the ark of God, the presence of the Lord into your life and let him minister to you because that's what God's will was, that he would be with his people, minister to his people. He chose to make your life a living ark. God could have set, settled with, I'll be a flame of fire, I'll be a pillar of cloud. You can look at me, you can talk to me, I can interact back, we can keep you under the law, I can make sure you do all the right things, but he wasn't settled. He wanted the intimacy. And what that means is he wanted every cell of your being, every fiber of your being to become aware of eternity, to become aware of his presence because you will rule and reign in eternity. You're in a dressing room right now. Some people though, when they enter past that veil will get a culture shock. They're like, whoa, I spent most of my nights watching TV. Nothing wrong with TV, but there's something wrong with when we have something that conflicts against the Lord, that pushes us away 
I love movies. All that stuff's fantastic. It's fun. You can have great food. We love, Dan and I love good food. We, we like to boss it up. I mean, we'll spend money on good food. We love it. It's great. It's fantastic. We should enjoy those things. But if food ever becomes bigger than Jesus in our life or the presence of God in our life, we have a big, big problem. And I can confess to you, many times I've chosen little things over the presence of God. And God sometimes comes with a little wind, like just a brief wind. And he says, put your phone down just a little wind. And many times, I've put it down for five minutes. Thank you, God, I love you. And then five minutes later, I'm curious. I want to check to see if they message me back. And I'm gone again. These little choices, they, they seem small, but they're not. They're a big deal, aren't they? Aren't they? <laughs> love you. That's what we need to do before the Lord. Just behold. So I was in my... <laughs> I love you so much. You are so cute. You want to come up here? You come? Okay. I love you. <laughs> no, he can stay. I love him. So, hey, he's beautiful. He's looking right at me. Um, so, I tell you, when, it, when a child looks at you like this, it's not distracting. In, it's, it's just like, wow. You just look at him like, wow, he's so cool. Um, so, anyway, I had this time in my life where I was worshiping every day for hours a day. One time, a physical wing, a physical wing, about this big, flashed in front of my eyes after worshiping for hours a day. Several other things happened as well. I remember being in a prayer meeting where we were praying, God, would you come? Would you touch this place? It's before me and Dan reconnected again. I said, God, would you come and would you touch this place? And I invited a few of my friends to come and pray. And we did that the first day. We did it the second day. And we were praying, God, touch this place. Touch this church. You know, we weren't even, uh, we weren't big in ministry. We didn't have any kind of title or anything. We are just hungry for God. And, and we put an expectancy and a demand on the Lord. And we asked the Lord, would you come? And I kid you not, on the, it's, it was a small room, probably from about here to the other, <laughs> to the other side of this part here. <laughs> it was a small room. And we were praying in there, and I saw this white flash of light. And I went, what was that? And we just said, thank you, God. Was that you, Lord? And then I said, did you see that? And my friend's like, no. Did you see it? I said, I saw a flash of light. And he said, okay. And I said, God, if that was you, do it again. Whoosh, another lightning strike inside the building. By this point, both of us, like this, we threw off our shoes. We threw off our shoes. I don't know. We didn't tell each other to do it. We just did. Third time we asked, God, like this, now we're in fear. God, if this is you, if you're with us, because I'm thinking maybe a light switch blew, I'm trying to rationalize the fact that God is in the room. Some people don't understand this. Well, God's always in the room. He's in us. Yeah, he is always in us. But Jesus is God. Do you remember Jesus when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him, which means he was, he never, Jesus didn't become God when the Holy Spirit came upon him. He was God before that. So he was God, but yet the Holy Spirit, being a separate person, was on the outside of him that he could interact with. I've had so many times like this in my bedroom where I've actually said, Holy Spirit, where are you standing right now? And immediately I'd feel a heat to my right, about two feet to my right. And I knew the Holy Spirit is looking at me as a person in spirit in my room. And I could interact with him. And I'd say, I love you, Holy Spirit. I want you to change me, Holy Spirit. And I was in one of those moments, by the way, when we checked again, uh, we, we said, if that was you, do it a third time. And he did. By the third time, everyone was on the floor. Everyone began to cry out. People were afraid, including me. Because it struck lightning three times physically inside the building. Dan and I, when we did our first Empowered Conference, it rained right here in Frankston, physical rain. When we began to adore the Lord, it came at the end of a worship set by which the very end, 
We'd forsaken what anybody thought. We'd forsaken the clock. We'd gone after one thing. Our eye was very single in that moment. God, we adore you. Even Todd didn't care at the end. We, he didn't want to have to do some kind of preaching stuff at the end. He just wanted to pray for people and love on God. But the worship got heavier and heavier and heavier. And then came the rain. It's like the cloud got filled and then it poured out. So I've had this in my room. But this particular time was different. It was a time where I felt that <laughs> it was like I could feel, um, if I keep worshiping here two hours, two and a half, three hours a day in my bedroom, something's going to change. How many of you understand that when we talk to God and we say, God, you use my life, the Lord is not listening to your word cheaply. He's not like, well, we'll see. He takes you serious. So when I'm praying, God, I love you, I adore you, make me like one of those men of old, those people who are with you, make me like Elijah, make, I'm, I'm praying these prayers, make me a man after your very own heart, do something in me. God begin to take seriously my request. And the presence of the Lord began to move upon my room. I'd literally get up in the morning. It was in mum and dad's house. I'd get up in the morning like that. I'd step right in. I'd just step in. I'm right there. I could just go, thank you, Father. And whew, you just feel this weight of, of his presence and glory in the room. And that would make me want to adore more. And it turned me from discipline to passion. Discipline is the beginning of maturing. It's, the, it's where you choose. I'm going to put the phone down. That's a great place to start. But, in, but the real, the highest level of discipleship is through passion. It's when you do it because you just love him, because you, you, your, your heart's beginning to be attuned to his presence, and you're putting that first in your life, like Matthew 6.33 says. You notice Jesus didn't teach much on worship. You don't see him singing many songs. You know why? Because everything he did was on the Father. He was worshiping 24-7. Everything he did was with the presence of the Father in mind. He's right here with me. Whatever I see him do, I do. He didn't leave. His life was a worship set. He didn't have to teach on worship. Because it was. Everything he did was with his father. He was unseparated in will, in thought, in conscience. He, he didn't put anything, he, did put, he put no human opinion. In fact, I could take you through John 6, and, and show, sorry, excuse me, John, yeah, John 6. I could prove to you that God, Jesus, purposely, purposely went against the fear of man and kept cutting at it until the disciples had to make a choice. I'm staying with you because you have the words of eternal life, or I'm gone. He, he put a fork in the road and, and basically forsook any human opinion of him because he wanted God to be with him and he wanted the, the worshipers to be spirit and truth, John 4, 24 worshipers. And that's what he wants from you. He wants it to be in spirit. He doesn't want you to sing a song. God is not interested in karaoke. God does not, he doesn't need us to say five of the right things, you know. We love the song that, that Carl and I were singing before, the only one found worthy, it's the truth. But that declaration, that proclamation, God doesn't clap and go, that's true, I am the only one found worthy. Thank you, that's enough for today. That's not what he wants. He's looking for the engagement of your heart. He's looking for what a husband would look for in a wife or a wife in a husband. He's looking for the heart to open and for a place for his presence to land and for it to become the treasure of your life. And this started to happen to me where I was like, God, you're my treasure. I love you. I worship you. I praise you. I had no job. Praise you, Father, every day in my bedroom. But all of a sudden, it got to a point where I understood that if I continue in this, God is going to answer my prayer, and I could literally feel like his fingers were touching the clay of my life, or about to. And for some reason, I backed away. I remember this revelation very clearly because I left the room and went to the bathroom. And as I sat there in the bathroom, and some people get revelation on the bathroom, as I sat there in the bathroom, what happened was the presence of God began to convict me, and he said, why are you departing from me? On the, in, on the outside, you're saying these things, but why on the inside are you departing from me? And he said this sentence. He said, why are you afraid to bring the ark into your life? 
and I remembered instantly David. I remembered. He was afraid. He was there with the ark, and Uzzah touched it, and God's power was on it. This thing is a majestic thing that we're a part of. When we enter the throne of God, it will be majesty for all eternity. Jesus won't be your cheap homeboy. Oh, Jesus, my homeboy. No, he's the Lord of lords. He's the king of all glory. It won't be Jesus, my homeboy. He's a friend. Of course, we can laugh with him. We can have joy. He's a friend of sinners. He's, he's a beautiful, he doesn't get offended easily. God is not like that. But, but he's also the king of all glory. And so when his presence came like that, I knew he will answer this prayer in this time. I've been crying out for months. God changed my heart. He's about to do it. And I backed away because I thought, what's going to happen? I begin to think about what's going to happen. Easy for me to go, hey, bro, Jesus loves you. I thought, no, God will push me beyond that. He'll make me worship, and he did. He made me worship in Danny Nong Coles. He asked me, he said, would you bow down on your knees and worship me in the line of Coles? At 6.15 p.m. or somewhere around there, where all the people who've come from work have all their shopping, people everywhere. Now, some of you are like, okay, I'm just checked out of this sermon. I don't want to do that, and uh, thank you very much, and I'll bring the ark in another way. Um, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not saying God will make you do that. But I remember I got on my knees, and I remember going to, I remember it like it was yesterday, going to my knees like, like something in me wrestling, like, God... There's a problem here. You want me to do this. You want me to adore you here, but there's a big problem. Everyone sees me, and I care what they think still. When Uzzah, in 2 Samuel 6, when Uzzah brought the ark, uh, sorry, David brought the ark, Uzzah touched it, trying to do the right thing. But when Uzzah touched it, it says, David got afraid. He went back, and he said, leave the ark here. They left it at Obed-Edom's house. He actually said this. He's like, I'm afraid of the Lord today. I'm afraid that if I bring this holy thing into my life, it will change me and it will change us. Well, it will. That's the whole point of God. The whole point of God is not so you have a religious construct that you come on Sunday and say five things and then you go back into your controlled environment. That is not the will of the Lord. The will of the Lord is intimacy that sometimes costs you something. But the intimacy that costs you something doesn't actually because you have God. You're adoring Him. You're in love with Him. You don't care what people think as much. You begin to think God's bigger than all these circumstances. You wake up thankful. It changes everything about you. God doesn't need to be worshipped. He's not sitting there as an egotistic God saying, please say to me I'm great again so I feel better about myself. He perfectly understands His identity. But He knows whatever you focus on, whatever you worship, you will become. He wants to change you. He wants to free you. He's separating us so that we can be his own special people, called out by grace, holy and pure, and so that people look in our eyes and they see a flame in us. They feel presence. I love what Ado said the other day, last night, how he said he went into the shopping center and someone was about to swear and he'd come out of the presence of the Lord. And as he came out of that place, the presence of God convicted them they didn't swear. They just stopped. They don't know why. They do know why. He knows why because the conscience came interaction with the one who made it. You can't have that on your life, though, if you're, if you're not willing, if you're more, you're wanting to protect fear more than you are protecting the ark. And so I said to God on the toilet, I said, God, I'm so sorry. I said, I am sorry. I will drive myself back into the presence of God where I know you can bend my will, where I know you can mold me. It might even hurt me at times because I might have my favorite show on and you might say, just worship me a little longer. And then I realize who cares about the show? Who cares about that stupid thing? I mean, it's just a show. It's, it's like, you know, who cares? God is here. 
God's presence is, is among us. I believe for Fire Church in 2019, it feels like it's another year of preparation, to be quite honest. But I feel that it's going to be a year where God is deliberately going against the distractions, that every place, every home would be an ark. Everything would be flourishing with God's life. Because that's what happened to Obed-Edom. They left the ark there. He's a Gittite. He's not even a Jew. He's a Gittite. Everything was blessed. If you look at it spiritually, prophetically, it's like Israel. Jesus came, the ark was in flesh in front of them. They denied the ark. They didn't want Jesus. He went to the Gentiles. They were blessed. We are blessed. But David got jealous. Three months later, see, when you've tasted and seen the Lord's good, you can't go back. You can. You can formulize your life. You can make sure everything's safe. But you're not happy inside. Everyone knows that. You know it. You're not happy because you've already tasted. <laughs> it's like going to a Michelin three-star and then trying to go back to McDonald's. It's, it's not, it's not going to work for you. You've tasted the Lord's goodness, so your heart will long for the ark that's right over there at someone else's house or the calling of God. You knew that was where I was supposed to go, but I forsook it because I got afraid of everybody. This is where I should be in my life. This is what I want in my life. I want to be a true worshiper. I want my car to be filled with the fragrance of God. I want to stop messing with that little petty sin or that little thing that I've put over here. The ark, it longs for you and you long for it. It's kind of like the Lord of the Rings thing, except it's, it's, it's good. And it doesn't destroy us but it does destroy selfishness and it does destroy what keeps us from God and it destroys distraction. So David went back and he said to Obed-Edom, give me the ark. And you know what happened? This time it says David prepared himself in a brand new way. It says that he, he, did, he, he changed the necessary function by which he'd welcomed God in. In fact, in a way, he yielded more. And it says they'd take it six paces and then he'd kill, he'd sacrifice calves. The way you can interpret that in a modern day sense is this. You're there with the Lord, your phone buzzes, and instead of looking at it, you kill the calf. I want you more. Or you just begin to get wrapped up in God, and you and your wife, you just lay down in, in your, your couch there or on, on the floor, and you just say, God, we love you. We just thank you. After you've, you've eaten some dinner at 7 o'clock, we just love you. We invite you this evening just to come and minister to us. And then three hours later, you know, four hours later, you, you look at each other and, and you're just saturated with knowing him. And you go to bed and he gives you a dream. Move to here. He just changes the whole direction of your life and begins, things begin to flourish and begin to... See, this is the thing is, is life comes from God. So anything separated from the Lord's presence cannot actually produce life. But the enemy's strategy is to separate you from presence by distraction. We have one word in Christianity that is acceptable, tolerated, and even celebrated. It's the word busyness. I'm busy. I say it all the time. I'm really busy. Oh, well, well done. You know, we, we, we're, we're works people. We love that. And we should be. We, we are born again and designed for great works in God. But we're not born again to trade works over presence. We're not born again to live for a Swiss watch above the presence of the Lord. So David brought the ark of God back. And let me tell you what happened. Picture, picture Scott Morrison as I tell you this. David takes the ark. They open up the gates of Jerusalem. Close to three million people watching. Jerusalem's a city on a hill. Everyone can see. There's a big road that leads up to where he placed the tabernacle on the hill. Picture Scott Morrison. Gets out of the limousine. He has security. All the earpieces in. They're all armed, okay? It's his inauguration. 
He's going to be crowned king, prime minister, president, whatever uh, thought you want to put on it. Actually, the Word of God says in 2 Samuel 6 and 7, it says he's king. David is king at that point, running a whole country. He sees all the people. He sees the ark. He looks at the Lord. And he lets go. He lets go. All the security. What's he doing? What's he doing? Stay, stay close to David. What's he doing? What's he doing? And he starts to just let go. He completely lets go. He ministers before the Lord. He looks at God. Millions of people, fear of man, bondage. He displayed to the whole country what is most important to us. What is the very, what is the core of why we're alive? The core of why we're alive is to minister to the God who made this earth. It's not for my kingship. It's not for my title. The core of why we live is to adore Him. And it doesn't matter what kind of conscience, what kind of matter of conscience gets in the way of that. The secret security are bothered. There's some people like, this is ridiculous. They're hashtagging him. They're doing the little stories of David. He's an idiot. He's a foolish king. He doesn't care. He does not care about our opinion one bit because he welcomed God. Do you understand something? When you prioritize God and say, I'm actually serious about welcoming you into my world. I don't want a concept of religion. I want you to invade my bedroom. I want to be in my car and I want to experience you. It might not be felt, but I want to know. I want your character and your nature and your life to begin to flow out of me. When you begin to do that, God will take you very, very seriously. I've seen people in a matter of one month transform more than they did in five years. I'm not even kidding. One month, they prioritize the Lord. Their life's a wreck for God. Their life has changed. They're like, I don't know what happened to me. It's like the whole time, the last five years in your circles, Satan was trying to stop you from the source. Being him. So then the question is, like when David was afraid, what are you afraid of? God might not make you worship in coals like he did with me. And by the way, people started to swear. You know why they started to swear? Because I got on my knees and I said, Jesus, I love you. I think I sung something quickly. How great is our God? Something like that. And I said, God, I love you. Right here in Danning on Coles. I said, I love you. And the presence of God came down and the people began to get offended. And some other people began to get touched. It was a mixture of both realities. It's exactly what happened when Jesus preached. It was a fork. It divided the spirit from the flesh. And I got to the counter. I got up and people, some guy was, get the F up. You know, he's, he's yelling at me. Get up. Yelling. And I did, I got up and I got to the counter and the woman, she's checking me through, she would not look at me. But the security guard, he's like this, looking right at me, not angry, touched. <laughs> just, a, just a little softer, just a little softer, just a little quieter. Father David made a fool of himself and by that foolish act was called the man after God's very own heart. Please, Father, this year, prepare us for eternal things. Make it my highest joy, our highest joy to come into the presence of God, to adore the Lord, to flow with Jesus, to, to set the sail high. And God, I pray that you would fight against every distraction. Make it uncomfortable for us, please. 
make it uncomfortable for us when we just slip back into the flesh, into what's, what we know to be normal. I don't, Father, we don't want to be a people that look back in 50 years and say, we were, we were really good at attending church. We did good. We want to look back and say, God, your glory was with us. And your glory on the earth changes things, destroys cancer, it destroys broken lives, it destroys everything, God, and it heals and brings life back to people. I pray, Jesus, if there's any little fox or any little thing in the way of the secret place of the Most High God, that the ark would come back to their lives today and that you'd put your fingers in our clay, God, and mess with it. Praise your name. Praise your Father. Praise your holy name. Praise your Father. Praise you. Oh, what if there's someone who doesn't understand? That's fine. We're not worshiping your understanding. Praise you, God. Father, we ask you that this year you would invade our lives. Make every household an ark. Come on, just let go. Just let go. It's okay. Just let go. Just let go. Just adore the Lord. Just adore the Lord. Praise you, Father. In the first service, five people were saved while we were doing this. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Praise your holy name. Flood our lives, Jesus. Please, flood our lives. Thank you, Lord God. Run like a river through our household. Wake us up in the morning with praises, with thanksgiving. This is the will of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. If you feel like busyness or the fear of people has gotten in the way of you bringing the ark of God to you, stand up. Praise you, Lord. Busyness or the fear of people. Distraction. Just stand if that's you. No shame. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want you just to ask God to forgive you. Just say, sorry. It's just so easy. Sorry, Dad. I'm in love with you, and this thing's gotten the better of me lately. I want to come home. Just tell him with your mouth. Don't be afraid. This is not a silent time. This is a freedom time.
Okay, we're going to pray a very bold prayer together. And then we're going to finish. But I want you, if this is you, you really mean this. Remember, the Lord will take you seriously. The Lord will take you seriously. If this is you, put your hand on your heart and pray this with me. Say, God, help me to be undivided and to have a single mind on you. I boldly ask you to fill my life with your presence. Give me the grace to step in. Put your fingers in the clay of my will and change me, Jesus. I invite the ark of God back into my life. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. Praise you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. That's right. You can just be free. Just be free. If there's anyone in this room, the presence of the Lord that's here, that's God knocking on your heart. If you're not right with God, you came here for the first time. You're on the Lord's calendar. He's in love with you. These people, us, we're all worshiping a God that has changed us. And he, he brought you here today because he wants to change you. Everyone has their eyes closed. But if you know your life is in bondage, you don't have peace inside. You want peace with God. You want to be forgiven. You want to be free of sin. Maybe you knew God. You walked away. Or this is your first time coming. I want you to put your hand up if that is you. And you say, just be bold. Don't care what people think. Just say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to experience Jesus today. Put your hand up if that is you. If you feel you've been wearing masks and you just don't want to go the same way anymore. You just don't want to go the same way. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.